Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. Now this week I'm joined by Pamela Jabour, the founder and CEO of a fashion company called Total Image Group. If you've never heard of them, That's really no surprise to me because Pamela is in the business of designing and manufacturing corporate uniforms. Now, it doesn't sound that exciting, but it's a bloody good business model. Total Image Group dresses more than a quarter of a million people every day in all kinds of industries. This includes companies like Woolworths, Ford, Pandora, and Dan Murphy's, and plenty more. Pamela has more than 40 staff, including an office with 10 people based in China, to help with managing factories and, of course, quality control. And last year... Her business even made uniforms for the Australian Winter Olympic team. So she knows what she's doing. She's got some bloody great clients. I want to find out more about how she does it and what was the journey like. So let's get into it. Pamela Jabour, welcome to The Mentor. Good morning. Thank you. How you going, all right? Yeah, good. Is it Pamela or Pam? Pam. Pamela uh, Pam. Okay, Pam. Yep. First off, you just had a baby. I did. How long ago? 12 weeks, exactly. Are you serious? Yes. <laughs> so your baby's three months old. Yes. Would you have a boy or a girl? Boy, Lucas. And Lucas, first child? Yes, first. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. And everything good? So far, he's cheeky, not sleeping, the usual, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're getting there. Yeah, which means you're not sleeping too. <laughs> yes, no. But you're still running a business. Yes, trying to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's a hard thing to do. It is. Like, uh, so like, does someone like you take... Uh, maternity leave? How's yeah, it work? so I'm, I'm a bit lucky in that I've worked really hard at the business. So, you know, this is our 14th year in and I'm still involved in the business in a big way, but I r- changed my role a few years back where I wasn't as hands-on um, in that I could step back and have a top-level role and I hired managers to be doing the More day-to-day. Strategic. Yeah, absolutely. So it's not as reliable. So on you me. waited 14 years to have a baby? Yeah, No. I no. didn't. It took a lot. It actually took me five years, but the way it worked to out. To have the baby. Yes. No, but you've been, but you've been working at this business yes, for, for 14, 14 years. years. So, I mean, so there, therein lies a big sacrifice. So yes. like a lot of people just rip straight in and have kids and all that sort of stuff. But you, have, did you consciously say at any stage, look, this is going to take me 10 or 15 years to get it all set up before I can afford to have a baby? Yeah, I'm definitely a futuristic person and I started quite young. So I was 21, wasn't going to be having a baby there. No, but some people um, I do. I do, but I didn't want to. Like I, yeah. I, I had my goals and I had a five-year plan and a 10-year plan and I knew, for me, I knew good things take time. Yeah. Um, and so I was in no rush to kind of scale up really quick. It was just about hard work and kind of taking yeah, just, one step at a time. Okay. Well, that's an interesting thing because a lot of people, you know, they have these great ideas and they get all excited about this great idea and they're going to, you know, turn it into a global business, et cetera, and um, they think they're going to do it overnight, which is virtually impossible. I don't know any business has been uh, – totally successful 
overnight. Yep. I mean, when I say even over a year or two or three, it takes a long time. I mean, there's this concept of having to spend 10,000 hours on any one particular undertaking before you become an expert and to become good at what you're doing you have to be an expert you know yep. you have to know about uniforms which yep. we'll talk about your business in a moment but um and to do that it takes 10,000 hours i mean 10,000 hours of what they call purposeful practice yep. and um that theory's been around a long time and i still think the theory holds and the 10,000 hours it's like that's 10 years if it's 1,000 hours a year 1,000 hours a year but is 20 hours a week by 50 weeks you know good yep. high quality hours that makes sense, you know, like if you're doing 40 hours a week, 20 hours would be good stuff and 20 hours would be a whole lot of fucking crap. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, like there you go, there's yeah. 50 weeks, assume you can do 50 weeks, you don't take a holiday, there's there's uh, your 10,000 hours, 10 years, yep. boom. Yep. Um, so all those wankers out there think that, you know, people like you are successful who do this stuff in like, you know, an hour or, uh, an hour a week or an hour a day doesn't and they work. doesn't work. No. And the sacrifice you have to make, whether you decide to have a baby in you know, at 21 or yep. 36, it yep. doesn't make much difference. Yep. Um, you've got to put things aside. Absolutely. Plan. Yep. And then be prepared to be patient. Agree. Patience is a big it virtue. Is. still is a big virtue. So tell me about yourself, Pamela. Yes. I mean, okay. I'm looking at you here and I'm thinking to myself, you know, and I look at your surname and I think to myself, maybe she's comes out of the rag trade um, somewhere. Yeah. Her dad, maybe. Yes, yes, definitely. So, so dad, what, what name is Jabal? What, um, what? My background is Lebanese. Yeah, so I was I born so. in Australia, but yeah, yeah dad and mum, um, Lebanese background. Both? Yes. But b- born in Lebanon? Yes. Yeah, so okay, both- so the great merchants of the world, yep. <laughs> uh, those people from the Middle East, probably only to be eclipsed by the Armenians, but but uh, the the Lebanese yes, are the yep. great merchants, one yep. of the great merchants of the world. So um, and they could do anything, they could sew, they could cut, they can uh, they can do anything, and they can sell everything. Yeah. So did your dad and your mum bring you up in this environment? Um, yeah. So dad specifically was really big on, um, you know, he, he had, has had multiple businesses through his life and I was privileged enough as a, as a young girl to watch him do that. So, you know, he opened many businesses. He started in retail um, and then it kind of evolved what into sort of retail? manufacturing. What, like, um, so he had a business called Stax. It was sporting goods and it was the equivalent of Rebel um, back then. I then was in back in his day. It was 1985. I'm trying to, yeah, 1986. Um, when he started that and um, he had that for a few years and then it just evolved into a smaller retail concept um, and his, yeah, his, he was in tiling as well, like lots of different yeah. businesses, but he landed in manufacturing um, and he was one of the first Australian businesses to kind of deal direct with China. Right. Um, so he had some business partners who were Chinese and uh, it wasn't really easy then, 30 years ago, for Australian retailers to deal with China. Um, now, nowadays, a lot of people do go direct, but 30 years ago, it was an impossible place to be. Um, and so we started, well, he started working with them. We opened an office and, and I guess I watched his him go through that. And so like, did you, okay, Pamela, going through school, Yes. you're saying to me that... Uh, your brother and sisters, by the way? I have a brother. All right. Older, younger? Younger. Okay. So going through school as the oldest kid in the family, um, you're watching your dad do what he's doing. Yep. Um, did you sort of look up to him? I did, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And you really admired what he was doing. And, yep. uh And on the flip side of that, he was probably extraordinarily generous back to you and sort of showed you 
you know, he loved yes. to tell you what he was doing and, and share with you what was going on. And that in itself, those two things sort of build a, a mixture of um, enthusiasm and uh, openness to receiving information and uh, absorbing information, more importantly, yep. and picking up things when you don't even know you're picking them Correct. up. Yeah, so, Dad actually freaks out as to how much I do remember. He finds it quite scary often. I'll bring up a memory. He's like, how do you remember that? I'm like, Dad, I remember quite a lot. I, I, I was an observant child and I really, you know, learnt through watching um, and that that's my biggest thing even till today. I love reading bio- biographies and just learning through watching and observing other people. So did you, so do you reckon like, I don't know, is this a developed um, behaviour or do you think it's DNA based or what do you reckon? Well, I mean, do you, th- I mean, you obviously must look, step back and look at yourself and sort of say, wow, how did I ever get into this? Yeah, look, I think, to be honest, I had to write this essay for uni years ago and I'll never forget it. And it was a question, um, are, entre- are entrepreneurs born or taught? Um, and I feel that a bit of both, you can obviously teach yourself anything and if you persist, you can get there. But I always feel like I was born with it. Um, I, you know, bossy in the right way. I've always been bossy, independent, wanted to do my own thing, um, made up all the games. Everyone had to listen to what I said. So it just came naturally. And I think if, and dad never put any pressure on me to go into the business or do anything with him. Um, it was just something I, I decided I wanted to do. And I knew I wanted to have my own business from primary school. Actually, (laughs) I would write business plans. (laughs) I found my wallet from kindergarten many years back and there's a budget in the, like in my, it's a hot pink fluoro wallet, which, but it has like, I was getting a dollar pocket money a week and I had 20 cents savings and it's just like, wow, from kindergarten. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But um, but it it takes encouragement too, because um, that's a talent. So you're born with a talent, Um, um, but it has to be encouraged and brought out and has to be developed. Yes. Um, and more importantly, no roadblocks put in front of it. So, um, you know, a lot of parents put roadblocks yes. in front of their kids yes. and say, well, you know, you're going to, you're going to become a, a doctor. Yep. So yep. you start studying or a dentist, and, or yep. a dentist. Yep. Yeah, worse. <laughs> I mean, you know, the number one, I think it's number one or number two, um, um, suicide rate in professions is oh. dentistry. Wow. Number one, I think is psychiatry, um, yep. which is interesting in itself. Mm. Um, so. Yeah. So like, uh, yeah, so no road, no roadblocks were put in front of you. Um, and, uh, and my mum was very encouraging. Was um, she? Yeah, my mum's passed. She passed when I was 19, um, 20 actually, sorry. Um, yeah, so, but she was ex- extremely encouraging and, and just spoke to me a lot and, and was really big on, it's almost like losing your mum so young. I look back and she gave me all the advice I would have had now. Like yeah. when you're married, this is, you know, so it's like almost like they know. Yeah, um, yeah. And I feel like she really embedded that that confidence in me as an independent, don't rely on anybody, be independent, do what you do, do what makes you happy. And just gave me that confidence to find what makes me happy. And So how old were you when you sort of thought, oh, I'm going to have a crack at this? I mean, uh, what were you doing? Straight after uni. So I was studying um, and all through uni. What were you I, studying? Uh, I did a Bachelor of Business Marketing and Management Yep. Uh, at UWS and through uni, I was just thinking about what I wanted to do. And again, I'm one of my number one traits. I'm very futuristic. So I'm big on just writing things out. And um, I wrote what I was passionate about. And fashion was always something I loved. Mum was always impeccably dressed. And I, I just grew up loving the right outfit for the right moment. It's just, and you know, that's something I, I obviously still do today. But so I wrote down all those things and I thought fashion's really competitive. Um, and and I was really not confident and very shy. And I was being told to get into fashion, even from a marketing perspective, you needed to be really confident. And, and uh, you know, I was the girl that hid behind someone who, who spoke. And, and, and so I didn't think that was for me. And I did a bit of research and, and dad was in manufacturing and making business shirts and suiting. And I loved, you know, for me, I've always dressed, if I want to appear a certain way, I've always dressed that way. So kind of just evolved from there, chatted to dad 
brainstorm, came up with uniforms. At the time, I wanted to bring fashion to uniforms. Uniforms was a really outdated space, traditional. Um, everyone, it was just about a blue, blue shirt, black pant, get the job done, not really about what the uniform meant um, and how it looked. And so we were kind of one of the first companies to come in and, and really take that approach. So you, but your dad was already manufacturing uniforms? No. No. He was manufacturing fashion brands. So Fa- dad's right. business manufactured for Maya, um, yeah. the in-house labels Reserve Black. Um, so they're men's shirting and suits. Right. And so we worked with major retailers. So a lot of retailers then had a third party who they went with to manufacture their product. Right. Nowadays they go direct. So Right. They cut out the middleman. Yes. Unfortunately. Yes. Which unfortunately. is what the big guys do. But um, so I just want to get my head around this. Mm. Uh Here's a young girl just out of university, she's done a marketing degree, thinking to herself, how am I going to make a quid? Um, because it's pretty hard to get marketing jobs. It's not yes. an easy job to yep. get. <laughs> I mean, we do degrees. I mean, I say it all the time. And you know, Kids come out of university a lot of times and they got a degree and they can't get a job, but yep. they owe $30,000. And I don't get it. But anyway, mm. um, so you come out of university, so you, you decided to do something for yourself. You got inspired to do uniforms. How? Um, look, just through dad, honestly, just chatting with him over the dinner table. Did he tell you to do it or? No, we were brainstorming. So my auntie had a promotional business, um, promotional merchandise, which is like pens and things like that. And dad had, um, brought her in under him to kind of support her through her business. She was going through a a rough time personally, and they kind of grew that promotional side separately. And we, and we started to get inquiries through that, through uniforms. Um, and I was just, I was doing work experience with the businesses and working in that business as well through uni. Um, so it was a big part of that. And, um, dad's big on whiteboard sessions. So, you know, we'd go in his boardroom and his boardroom table is now my boardroom table. And we'd, you know, whiteboard ideas and talk about the different markets. And he did this chart of, you know, Uniforms are here, retail's here, we're the manufacturer if we go direct. And we were talking about margin and, you know, those kind of things. And and then, you know, my element was, okay, I, I studied marketing, I love fashion, how can we bring that? And I did a huge amount of market research. I did a business plan, which I presented to my dad. So it was very formal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, what markets I'd target first, what was my strategy? And having come straight out of uni, that just came to me because that's yeah, what yeah. I did at uni. Um, and, yeah presented it and started. So your dad, I guess, is your mentor to yes, some extent. Yes, definitely. Um, uh, and, 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 but, but why, I mean, I'm still trying to work out why you thought there was an opportunity in the mark, in marketing or, and or, and or producing Unif- uniforms. Okay. Because it's like, you know, uniforms are pretty boring um, to look at and they're boring to make, I guess, because it's not like high-end fashion yeah. or something um, where, where all the cool, sexy stuff's going on. And, yep. um, I don't know if they have fashion parades for uniforms, do they? We do, definitely. You do? Yes. Okay. Something new. Yeah, yeah but I didn't know that. No, um, yeah. <laughs> but mind you, most of probably don't mind either. Probably don't know it. It's probably just a trade thing, is it? Yeah, we, we kind of brought it in to bring fashion to uniforms. So it's to make it fun and engage. Oh, it wasn't there before. You you introduced... Uh, Look, the people did it for major corporates and like publicly listed companies like, you know, the big competitors that do the airlines and the banks. They've always done fashion shows. But no, when we started, no one was doing them for the, the clients who had 300 staff or 1,000 staff. Because I actually... Look, to be honest here, I think... I mean, I always wear a uniform. Yeah. I, I, I mean, what I mean, what I mean by a uniform is... I wear the same yep, shit all the time. Yep, yep, uh, yep. Yeah, and uh, because I don't want to, I don't want to change it up uh, because I don't have time to think about it. And I think one of the great things, and I, I, for me, I would imagine, yep, women would love to have uniforms in their office environments if if there was one because it'd be tough for women because they're going to sort of, yeah. they're to keep making decisions and Absolutely. and everyone knows that. Hang on, you had that on last week. Um, 
when in fact if you're wearing a uniform, they don't say that. I don't, yep. don't understand the psyche of that because if if people if you think that people are saying, Oh, they saw me in that last week, how come it's not a problem when you actually wear a uniform That's and the they see the, the uniform. same thing every bloody day? <laughs> I don't understand the psyche of yeah. it. But anyway, well, uh, but I, I would imagine women would prefer to have a uniform in yeah, everything look, they do. And, and to be honest, men as well, because it's no, just, it, oh, takes, totally. it takes the, the thinking out of it. Um, your, your casual clothes become your casual clothes and you don't burn through them at work. It separates, you know. Work well, men do have uniforms because we all just walk down the city yeah, yeah. and every bloke's got either a blue suit, a grey suit, yeah. or a black suit, or, you know, whatever. Sometimes they wear brown suits out there. But, um, and, <laughs> And they all got a white tie or a, blue, a white shirt or a blue shirt yep. or maybe a striped shirt. It sort of is a uniform in there. Yeah. Uh, for me, I try to write down, I mean, I actually have only wear, I, I, I do it the other way, I only wear dark suits, blue or dark grey. I only wear white shirts only. Yeah. Um, and always wear a tie to match the jacket, the suit, and I always wear black shoes. If I'm wearing a suit, but you put a lot of thought into it. I, a yeah. lot, to be honest, so a lot of men I meet don't don't put a lot. Of well, I, but I did that in one day. Yeah, I thought about it, and then and then I thought, okay, I'm just going to stick to that. Yep. That's my uniform. Yep. So, and if I'm going to if I'm going to battle, going to war, yep. and it's a and it's a big deal, I put on my full regalia. Yep. Yep. Um, if I'm doing this, the mentor, the podcast stuff, yep. um, my uniform is jeans and t-shirt or jeans and a a, a shirt with the sleeves rolled up. Yep. And a pair of boots. Yep. That's it. That's yep. my uniform. And it helps me not have to think. And actually, to be frank with you, I feel quite comfortable in it. I mean, yep. it, it, it's my comfort. Well, it I, sets the tone for the day, really. Yeah, if you're totally. in your power suit, you know, you're going into a power meeting. If, if you're casual, and you know, it, it really just depends. And, and that's what we do, really. It's about setting the tone for what businesses are about and, and, and their demographic and their team. I, 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 I go through the process. I actually have this process or thought process. I'm going to war. So... If I was literally going to war, I would be. I would wear a certain sort of yep. outfit to go yep. to war, I'd which do the is same probably for what contract negotiations. <laughs> yeah, and you're gonna, you're you're, you're ready. You've got good. everything going yep. on. Yeah. Um, and you know you need a certain you need a jacket because you need pockets. You've got to put stuff in. Yeah. Um, you can't be walking with a, you know like shit in your hands like no. you, you're reading glass in your phone and your access key and all that shit. Um, so you know I actually look at I actually look at it. Um, I wear a uniform to suit the occasion. Yep. And I try to keep the notifications down. But, but what it helps me is when I go shopping, I just buy the same stuff every time. Yep. I, well, I tend to do that too, though, because yeah. it's your style. And that's that's the idea. Is of it uniform. my style or is it it's just my convenience? Both. It yeah. has to be like, you know, dark colors. Not everyone is, you know, having that. You said I, I wear dark navy, dark, you know, that's a, that's a style. Um, and shirt, T-shirt and jeans is a style as well. Some guys will wear a shirt and jeans or you know, so if you have a style, it just makes it easy and you stick to it. Everyone says to me, even if I'm buying new things, that they all look the same because it's my style. Yeah, yeah. Therefore, it's your uniform. Yeah. And and uh, what you're saying, though, is you want to make it uniform within the business. So you're saying everyone within the business is wearing the same thing. Yeah. That's, so, that's your game. Look, it, it depends. So depending on the nature of the business, if it's a retail or hospitality business where, you know, they, are, they need to be wearing the same thing subject to their roles, then the important part of my role is to make sure that we're catering to the majority as, as you know, as much as possible and that what they're wearing is practical, looks good, makes them feel good and really represents the brand. However, on the other side of it, if we're working with a corporate office or if we were lucky enough to win a bank, I think a bank, yes, it needs to be formal and, and they all need to look like a part of a team, but you can have a lot more mix and match and have it more fashion and less But the rigid. tech side of the bank would like to get all techie. Yes. And, and, the, you know, and probably... the, the customer-facing part of the bank might need to look a little so, bit more whatever. Yeah. And, and how do you uh, deal with things like... Uh, Oh, 
you know, these issues around diversity and, um, you know, just having balance. Not, not everybody can wear exactly the same no. uniform. Not everyone's going to fit into it. Everyone's got a different shape and size. And then, you know, some people might think it's a bit too masculine and he or she may feel feminine, more feminine. Yep. Well, how do you have to Look, play with that I, sort I of stuff? I always go in and say, you know, it's always it's going to be impossible to please everybody. Our role is to please the majority, but we also want to make your team feel heard. So I'll go in and I'll ask a huge amount of, a whole lot of questions and, and be like, what are they wearing at the moment? What makes them happy? Who do you ask? The, the team, the HR team, uh, the management team will also go down to subject to the size of the business. We might run surveys yep. um, and I always encourage surveys. So if they have 5,000 employees, we send out a survey on feedback, what they'd like to see, what colors. And then when we design, we feed that back. Um, so we, we recently did the SCG and they have all various departments. So you have security, grounds, et cetera. Um, and I held a meeting with each of the key department managers one-on-one -on -one, um, and got their feedback on their team. Um, and then when we designed, we fed that back. So we heard that grounds want a darker colour um, because they get dirty and they want it to look smart. They want lighter pants. And, and then we based our design on their feedback. And sometimes you can't use all the feedback, but I think the important thing that we try and do is make people feel heard and make them understand that there's there's an element of practicality and obviously the look that we're trying to communicate. So when well. you first started this business out, Pam, like yes. when you th you, I'll bet you anyone, you never expected all no. this shit to happen. No. Uh, so when you first started this business out, um, you're 21? Yes. 21 years old. Yep. Um, and you thought to yourself, okay, I've got a business plan. I'm going to present it to my dad and uh, that's my business plan. And you know, you're sort of pretty happy with it. And he probably said, we'll make these changes. And you know, he yep. probably said, what's your addressable market? And, you know, how big can it really get? And who's going to, who are you going to go after the first time, et cetera. When you did that, I'll bet you any money you had no idea where you would be 15 years later. So the business plan of 15 years ago probably was nothing like no, your business not. plan yeah, today. And, and that's an important thing because, and it's okay. Yes. It's okay. But that's an important thing for, our audience to hear from someone like you yep. because they think that the business plan they're going to do today is going to be where they're going to end up. No, you have and to evolve, sometimes totally. even monthly. It's always changing. Yes. It's always changing and, and be prepared to change and sometimes even pivot, pivot yep. your business around because as you dig the hole, you find more and more stuff and uh, you, f you find some good stuff, some stuff worth yep. throwing away, some p stuff you got to stop and keep and look after. And because I, I just think most, most startups, particularly or most new businesses, think it's a, a prescription. No, that's and the edge. The edge of having a small business or a startup is fun. that you can change. Um, and the you're fun. not stuck. Absolutely, the fun. You're not stuck to a rule book. You make your rules, you evolve, and that's how you learn. You might make mistakes, you pick yourself up, but you're not being dictated to by a broader group. That's what I loved about having my own business. I made the rules. I made mistakes. It was hard, but I kept evolving and I had the flexibility to do that. So when you first started, um, and I'm going to have to stop and we're going to have to go to half time in a yep. second, but when you first started, how long did it take you to get actually a proper rhythm? A year. A year. Yeah. Yeah. So a, a proper rhythm means, to me anyway, um, your menu, you know, your you got you get an order and you can do a, del a proper delivery and make a bit of money. Yeah, look, a year to two years. So you're constantly evolving subject to the size of the client. So within a year, we'd serviced, uh, you know, a 300 staff client. We'd learned, we'd made some mistakes and we were scaling up and building our team and process around it. But then 
a year and a bit in, we won a client with 30,000 employees and that's a whole nother ball game. And so we weren't ready for that. And that was a steep learning curve, but it forced us to change the business and, and evolve step again. up. Yeah. Well, we're going to go to the break. I want to come back to you and talk to you about how you got that 30,000 staff, yep. 30,000 yep. staff yep. order. Um, and just to explain to the audience you know, how you go about these sorts of things, yep. or someone like you at least, yep. um, we're going to go to the break. And when we come back, we're going to get stuck into the business, your actual okay. business. Sounds good. So as I said some time ago, um, we've set up a business called Mentored.Business. Now, this is a business sales business. So in other words, we sell your business for you. And if you want to buy a business, we help you buy a business. And our CEO, Matt, he's here again today. And Matt is going to tell us about which business do we have up for sale on Mentored.Business. What's our business of the week? Matt, what's it called, mate? What's the deal? Thanks, Mark. Yeah, we've got some great businesses always coming through. I've chosen a one up in Brisbane at the moment. It's a, it's a fantastic Wedding and function centre, uh, 120 weddings a, and functions a year, family operation. It's a beautiful uh, western suburbs of, uh, of Brisbane and it's um, it's got some amazing opportunities there for somebody to grow the business or just step in and continue what they've already built. Nine years, they started with four or five weddings you know, a, a, a month and, and now they're, they're just going gangbusters. So this is a, a business where they'll actually hand over nicely to you as well. So you're not just going to be dropped and, and hope for the best. So it might even suit a, an existing operator or a family looking to um, to get into something really quite personal with a with wedding space. Another great thing they're doing at the moment is this pop-up wedding, which is just all the rage. Uh, pop-up weddings, they'll organise them all for you, and uh, yeah, it's just, it sounds great. That sounds cool. So we've got a, a, a good wedding business, already established, well-run, in a nice setting, in the west suburbs of Brisbane, ready to go. Absolutely. So and if you want to, if you want to, so, so if you're looking to buy a business like this sort of business or alternative, you want to sell your business and maybe if Matt chooses, you might get highlighted on the show, go to mentored.business and we'll look after you. Thanks very much. So we're back with Pamela Jabour. She comes from, well, she owns, she's the founder of a business called Total Image Group. And it's, you know, I'll be honest, it's not a great brand name, but it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's just name because she, she her brand is what she produces, and that's that. And her brand, to be frank with you, is her clients. Yeah. So that I can go along to. It's not the name. I go along. She will say to me if I'm a person who wants to engage her or at least put her on my list. She'll say to me, "I've got this client, this client, that client, and go and talk to them." And I want to find out from Pam, and she she started to talk about it how she got her very big first order. And you just said it was thirty thousand clients, thirty thousand employees, employees. Yes. Yeah. Well, so how'd you get that? Who, okay. are, who were, Can you let us say they were? Yeah, it was a big W. Well, there's a brand. Yes. Straight up. Yes. You don't need to, <laughs> no. you, you don't need to have the brand in your name. No. You've got the brands. Yes. The brands all surround you. You're yes. swimming in brands. Yes. BW. How the hell did you get Big W? Um, look, my background was marketing. So we went in really strong with marketing from the get-go, um, trade shows, online marketing. No, no let's go back. You know, let's they, slow down a little bit because yep. we've got people here who don't know what you're talking about. Okay. So- what decision did you make? You said, okay, I want to, did you say I want to go and get a big fish with a big number or did you just say I'm just going to do the spray technique and just do everything I can? No, so I was targeting verticals. Um, retail was one of them, yep. as was hospitality. I kind of didn't think I'd get the opportunity to pitch for someone with 30,000 employees. So we define the size of a client by how many staff they employ. And my comfort zone was anywhere between 100 to 500 employees. Right. Um, because I knew we could achieve that and, and get it done. Um 
and we we were targeting specifically retail and hospitality. I was making I was cold calling, um, so I was making calls every single day to. Who? Who do you ring? Um, so I, for, How do you for, find out a ring? I, I learned along the way. Every industry is different. So it might be procurement for retail or, or it might be HR. Um, and so when you call through, I, you know, I would call and say, who's in charge of uniforms and work out the roles. And then next call, I'd say, okay, can I speak to the HR manager or procurement? So can I ask you to step back? I'll just take a step back yeah. here. So you would ring up... Um, but let's RSL say BW. Club. No, I didn't ring Big W. Okay, let's yep. go an RSL club. Yep. Um, and you'd say, oh, you know, a girl would answer a reception or yep. a bloke, and you say, oh, hi, you know, my name's Pamela, and I come from Blah. Yep. Um, who makes uniform? Uh, uh, who's in charge of uniforms? Yes. Is, is that was that the question? Yes. Yeah. And so that, I wrote a script um, and practiced it, yep. and I researched the industry, and then yeah, made I, a few mistakes, yep. fixed it up, yep. and then and then whoever answered the phone say, oh, I'm going to put you through to John. Yes. And John answered the phone and he goes, yeah, what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I found calling B2B. I, I, while I was at uni, I did telemarketing as well on the side and I had to call people's homes and try and sell. It was for the MS Society and try and sell tickets and it was really hard. And you get screamed at because you're calling through dinner time. Um, so calling business to business in comparison to yep. that experience was really easy. Did you um, do the calls yourself? Yes. Yep, good. Yeah, absolutely, for for over a year. And, and even how many still, calls a day? Till today, or, I make a, week. a call here and there. Um, I was doing 100 calls a day. 100 calls a day. 100 yeah, telephone calls a day. that was my goal. That was my number. Yeah, yeah, great. And did you get it? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and but did you just basically look up the yellow pages in those days? Yeah, yeah. printed them out yeah. um, and called and made notes along each contact. And if I got an inquiry, I had a separate piece of paper that had the details I needed to yeah. take that inquiry. And sometimes I'd go a week with no inquiry. Sometimes I'd go a week with five, and then and then and then when when you got the court, when you got through to John the yep guy in charge of uniforms yep um, what'd you say to him? Um, look, what it was, was just script, a chat. Like, yeah, like it was. Uh, hey, hi, how you going yeah, there? hi, John. How 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 are you? We we are a uniform company. Um, wondering if you're looking to change or revamp your uniforms. Yes or no? Then the answer was different. Um, you know, even if it was no, I'd ask for his details. I'd ask when was the last time they changed their uniform. Um, and I was building up my database. Are they happy? Are they unhappy? And I'd try and build and learn. And would you have known what his company's uniforms look like? Yeah, so I'd ask, I, I was a bit sneaky, so I'd ask what brands they were wearing. <laughs> What's that mean? What's that mean? To find out who my competitors were in right, that right. space. Yep. Um, so, yeah, so in other words, you made the phone call count. Yes, Because if, if it's going to be a no, um, not only are you become well-practiced. You know, learning you, my you, industry. You're practicing your script, but you're building your data yes. up. Yep. And uh, you and you're finding out, and and you probably sat down and thought, well, the data set I want to get is who are my competitors? Yep. What do they charge? Yep. Uh, you know, how many people are going to going to be supplied to this particular one? And what are they wearing? What's it and look then like? Strategically change my offering to. So at the time, clubs were paying seventy dollars a shirt, right? And that was really expensive. And the, the market has changed a lot. No one really pays that now. Um, but we could offer the same kind of thing for thirty dollars. Right. So one of my goes was, you know, I know you're probably paying about this if you're wearing that brand. So they trusted in me instantly in the phone call because I knew after a few months of calling and, and learning, um, I knew what I was talking about, and and it was a saving. So even if they weren't looking, they were interested to receive an email with information so, or post a pack. Right. That's interesting. So you. In your phone call, your cold call, yep. um, you tried then in your repeat calls to build trust. Yes. And trust is built through familiarity, but also you're not necessarily selling them something, no. you're giving them some advice. Yeah. So 
did you sort of rank everybody? Did you rate them? Yeah, so for me, um, I, you know, the objective was sales. I didn't make them feel that, but I ranked them based on how many staff they had, when was the last time they changed, and I kind of had like a hit list of if they were warm to looking soon, I, how often I touched them without realising, mm. like now I know, you know, nine touches. or But but at that point it was just I want to keep reminding them that well, I'm well, there. That's an issue. Pam, how many times did you need to sort of – be in touch with anyone before you got a, be they before, before really they came a warm call. It really varied. So if I called and they were looking now, that was great. Cool, um, yeah. But some people, our industry takes real, it's it's very slow. Yep. Um, and I've learned to be very patient. I was very impatient. But you, you get an opportunity to quote and it can take anywhere from a year to a year and a half to close. So is it, can I ask you this? Is it like, uh, like do, does a shirt, how long does a shirt last? Like let's say I'm working at the RSL and they supply me a white shirt with you know the RSL written on it. Um, how long does that shirt last? So for? depending on how many they get, but the people generally in, in hospitality, they replace their staff shirts every year, right. but it's contract based. And that's why I love this business. And that was what attracted me to uniforms is that you win a contract and people get lazy with uniforms in that it, it's a lot of work because they have to please their staff. They hear feedback. So once you're in, chances are, if you do an, an okay job, you keep it. Um, and so that's, there's that security there because you know, on average every year what they're spending. Um, and that's how you can pretty much budget. Yes. Yeah. It's very, it's and not as long fashion. As, you as long as someone's not going to undercut you and as long Correct. as someone's not going to, um, maybe offer a better deal, like a better looking outfit yeah. and, and, or more importantly, if, if, as long as you're responsive. Or someone com- new comes in or a recent challenge we've had is a lot of the clients were getting acquired, particularly in healthcare. These major corporations were coming in and just buying up the, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so that, and they, that and they changes had, everything. And, and they all, they, they already had have a, a supplier. Yeah. I was going to say they yeah. had a global supplier who Correct. did everything. Yeah. I get that. So, um, which means you then have got to go back up to the global supplier. Yes. So your, your first big yes. client was 30,000 um, employees and yep. that was uh, BW. Yes. And uh, when you, that was off the back of how, how did you get to them? Yes. Yeah, so they, they called us. So um, we were advertising on Google. So I put a lot of effort into our website. So yep. again, marketing background and, you know, our, our industry and fashion, even till today in this country is a bit behind in terms of Australia. We were one of the last to go online with shopping. And, and when you compare us to the global market, and I've always benchmarked uniforms to fashion and even fashion in Australia is behind, and I've benchmarked uniforms to fashion globally. Right. So my goal has always been to keep up with that. And we were um, one of the first companies to kind of have a really cool, young, we were a young team, so a cool young website, and I put a lot of effort into that, and then I spent a lot of money on advertising online. Right. And at that time, Google was, I, I was lucky as well, that Google wasn't what it is today. People in our industry didn't really know about it, so yep. we were probably one of the first to took look at advertising online and, and Big W inquired through our website. Right. I, I, and I remember okay. seeing. So they, 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 in other words, they searched, they, they did yep. a search and they got, got yep. to you guys yep. through, through Google search. And, um, and what do they, what do they say to you? Um, so they called and I remember when my receptionist buzzed me and told me it was Big W on the phone with an inquiry on uniforms. I literally had to take 10 deep breaths before I picked up the phone. Um, and then, you know, I, had my inquiry form ready and my pen and I asked them all the usual questions that I ask anyone else. And we had two months to prepare a presentation. Um, the presentation was to the CEO, Greg Foran, who's now, um, I believe the CEO of Walmart in. Yeah. So, and they, his diary books out and I was 21 and they're like, you need to make this date. We confirm his schedule six months. It's the first break we have in six months, in two months time. They called me every week up until the meeting to confirm that I was still free and um, yeah, we prepared for it. They also told me not to pitch blue. I pitched blue. Um, what, what do you mean pitch blue? As uh, a color. Oh, right. Sorry, I should be. <laughs> so their color, brand color is blue. Right. And they said, we're currently wearing blue. We don't want a blue uniform. This is our design brief. 
um, this is what we're looking for. Don't pitch blue. Um, we have 30,000 employees. This is when we want to deliver. And I had two months to put the presentation together. Uh, and so I worked really hard through that two months to kind of go above and beyond. We did a huge amount of research. We did surveys. We did store visits. Um, and I ended up presenting them like a full-on case study on their business, um, which no one did again then. And, and when you say you they said don't pitch blue, but you did? Yes. What's that mean? You- um, so I guess I went with my gut on, you know, I'm really big on your your uniform needs to represent your brand and Big W is a blue brand. Right. Um, their colour is blue. And I couldn't imagine putting any other colour at that time. Mm. And I think it had to be, and I went in and said, it's got to be the right colour blue. Like I know you said, don't pitch blue. And I may be silly and I've given you four options and they're all blue, but I think it's the tone of blue and how you tie it together. And I was really confident and I backed it with, you know, facts on, on why. And I had taken photos of the store and the interior and, um, and they were just in a really bad blue. That's why they didn't like it. So I had to sell them the idea of blue is your brand. I think it would be crazy to move away. I'm really passionate. Um, and, and you I got the 21. job. Yeah. You got the job. Yeah. And do you, do you still have them? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We do to an extent. So they took it in-house yeah. uh, three years ago. Right. Which was very heartbreaking. <laughs> um, that was a hard loss. And, but it makes sense because they manufacture for themselves. Yep. Um, and we still do lots of other stuff with them. But I work with the group. So in terms of once you've got a client, yes. um, the game, like every business, is to keep the clients you've got because – it's a client you've already got is more valuable more valuable to you than the one you've got to try and get. Definitely. Um, and it's a lot less expensive. Yeah. Um, because it's expensive to get a client. Uh, yep. Totally. You've got to yep. pitch, you've got to wait, There's you, and you, know, you might get one in every 20. It's not an efficient process. Yep. But you've got to do it, but it's Absolutely. not an efficient process. You might as well keep the ones you've got. Yeah. So for those people listening, um, how important is your client retention program and what are the sort of things you do in terms of client retention? Yeah, look, it's evolved over the years and it's really hard for me to step back. I'm really passionate about customers and we're a family business and we kind of follow that ethos through from a client perspective. So it's personal um, and maybe it shouldn't be, but it is. We want them to feel like they're a part of our extended family. Um, and so it's regular meetings and, and it's this balance, these big corporate clients. And, you know, I had to learn that don't have a huge amount of time. So I'm super organized. I, they see that we add a huge amount of value. They don't even have to think. I, I prepare agendas for the meeting and I have from the get go, um, again, just it's in me. So I'd go to every meeting with a set of agendas printed for me and well, my Give me client. a bit of a, a sense of like, like how many meetings would you hold them and why would you hold a meeting and what would you, what would be the meeting objective? So if objective? it's a launch, then generally you, it's depending on the size of the launch. It could be bi-weekly, monthly, um, sometimes weekly. Once they're established as a client, we try and push for quarterly. Um, and what and, do you do the quarterly meeting? What's um, the objective? It's a review. So it's a review of what they're doing, any issues, any feedback. Um, it's just a touch point. So and is this, is this, is this a, to, to refine the uniform or is it to just just? Oh, uh, look, just we, we do a review once a year on yep. uniform. I think we'll take feedback through the year, but you don't want to change it that often. Yep. Um, so we'll do a big review and overhaul if we need to yearly and introduce new pieces and eliminate ones that aren't working. But the quarterly is more just to show them that we're on top of their account. We might provide some reporting, analyze the reporting with them, give them our expert advice. So analytics. So yes. what, 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 what do you analyze in a uniform business? Is, uh, do, do you sort of say to the client, your staff love the uniform or are they, or are they, they love it, but they don't like having to wash it because it fades. I mean, what, um, what are you look, talking about here? So we might look at um, how many returns we've gotten through that period. We might look at um, how, what styles are selling best, what aren't. Selling? 
styles. So short sleeve shirt versus a long sleeve shirt or shorts and a skirt. Yeah, so I mean, we'll, in terms of what are their staff like? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what you mean by yes, something. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and another big one for us is we work with multiple locations. So if it's a nursing home with locations across the country, we report on sales by location because right. it's really difficult to get engagement, particularly for the bigger companies nationally, even if it's compulsory. And so that really shows us if the, that particular location is engaged. And from a head office perspective, we work with them to to push, to sell. Because, to, you know, you can keep increasing your sales with your existing clients. That's easier than winning a new. Yeah, so yeah, that totally. we also use that quarterly to kind of try and push more sales. And also, I guess, um, the client, your client, let's call it BW, but your client, they don't want to buy stuff that becomes redundant that nobody's no. buying. So they need to know what works. Yes. And what you're trying to do is save money, basically. Yes. And because if they get a whole lot of stuff that's no good, they're going to blame you in the end because everyone blames everybody else, never themselves. So um, so what you're trying to do is that's your your building efficiency and then you're just feeding it into the client because they're not going to do the surveys themselves. And it's you're pretty much like a, a, I guess, a staffing role. You're you're pretty much doing a management role for them. Absolutely. And and that's part of your deal. Yes, it is. And and tell me, uh, like, who? How many clients you got? Like, how's it going? How- so, yeah, so we dress three hundred thousand people a day, individuals a day. A day. In the, yes, in their working wardrobe. In Australia or globally? Um, in Australia, we do a bit in New Zealand, um, and we're just working with a major beauty brand on their uniforms for the US. Three hundred thousand um, people in this country yes. every day. Yes. Wear one of your uniforms. Yes. That's fantastic. Yeah. And that's that's what happens over dedication of fourteen, fifteen years at, at a job. Um, and and what about your competitors? I mean, who are they? Um, they're I mean, different in every names, space. I mean, yeah, no. <laughs> are they big overseas people, local people? No, local. Um, yeah. And the space has really evolved. So, you know, when, when the GFC hit and retail hit, got hit in a big way, we had retailers think, okay, how can I expand my, what I do? And we had suiting brands and stuff come into the uniform space. And that was fashion coming into our space. So every industry is different. Um we have major competitors. I think one of the, the biggest competitors of ours has locations across the country, and that's probably our shortfall. We're based in Sydney and Melbourne, but we, we are aware that we don't have locations everywhere and we're proactive in how we service. We service why, why, why do you, would you need locations? Though? Because For it, fittings. So that's probably one of the ah, bugbears right. of uniforms. We, we don't believe you need to do fittings in every state for every size. It's just not practical, not for the client. or And, and you, they end up paying more for that service. But one of the brick walls we hit sometimes is in specific industries is they want fittings, they want all staff to try on every product and that right. can be tricky. Wow. So if someone's got 10,000 staff, yes. they want them all to come yes. into you, to your, and do a fitting? Yes. That's part they of They want it. us to go to them. You, yeah. But you, but if you're not in Perth, you could still do it from here, couldn't you? Oh, yeah. So it's, this is like we're currently doing a fit out now for one of our, it's along the whole East Coast for one of our major healthcare clients. They have 2,500 staff um, and we've had them for seven years. So we did this process with their old uniform as well. Um, and I had one of my team members, she wanted to drive. She drove our Total Image van along the East Coast literally for two months. With Her, she, her husband joined her. They they did it as a husband-wife okay. thing and, and it was great. Um, so where we feel that every, that each location has 300 employees, they're all spending X amount. So we do the math behind it. When you it. say they're spending, they don't buy it. No. The, the company buys it yes, for them. Yes, but they give them a budget. But so they, okay. they'll pay. So you, as an employee, you might get $300 to spend. And right. the company will pay that for you. Right. And and, and that $300 means, let's say I'm working for whoever it is, a, yep. ph- a, a pharmacy group. Yep. And the pharmacy group says, Mark, here's your $300 um, allowance for the year for your uniform. 
um, you go along to Pam's business and you choose what you want. Correct. But you only got 300 bucks to spend. Yes, and they can spend above that. Right. So we have an online system that allows them to use that credit. Right. And we build the client accordingly, but then they can log in like an online store and use their credit card and buy above that. So they can spend an extra $50. And so so is, has uniform has the uniform industry uh, sort of got more fashionable? It has. Yeah. Yeah, I have to say. And look, that's a good thing. Uh, initially, I saw it as a negative thing in that oh, we were the fashion ones and that's our point of difference. But you have to continually evolve and it's pushing us. And it, and it, the good thing about it is people now want to be more fashion. So before it was a bit of a harder sell. It was more about practicality and cost. And, you know, f- now it's more about getting the right look. And, and can I ask you, this is um in your, has the uniform industry become more casual or more formal? Casual. More, ca- more, more techy. Yes. Yeah, yeah. More cool. More yeah. relaxed. More. Yeah. Yep. So it's less. It's less formal. Like you know, the old days, yes. everyone wearing a suit and tie yep. and all that shit. Absolutely. Yeah, it's become, uh, you know, like like do people wear jeans and stuff now? Look, depending on the industry, yeah. I think there's different rules for different industries. But again, um, you know, one of my major clients, they're a major retail group, and their CEO at the time, five years ago, took his tie off, and it was unheard of in front of you know five thousand people, and said, "No more ties." This building has 5,000 people. No one is to wear a tie. And it was kind of just a, a moment for them. Cool. Yeah. I love that. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I, I only wear a suit if I'm sort of doing I mean, every now and then I, yeah, I treat depends. myself. I but I mean, a... I, I hate I hate all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, t- ties. I mean, I do wear suits. I mean, I yeah. wore them when I had to go and see the Prime Minister on Monday, but I wore a suit, which, you know, because they all had suits yeah. on. Um, and I think I, there's an occasion for everything. But generally speaking, I, I just can't stand it. I don't see the point. It's always okay. too hot. Yep. Um, you know, for me, and I just feel uncomfortable yeah. in one. Whereas what I got on at the moment is I prefer what I got on at the moment. Yeah. Um, but I guess also you've got to respect the person you're meeting. My mum used to always say, and um, my mum passed away, but my mum used to always say, um, you dress, Mark, you always dress towards the host. So whoever the host of the event is, that's how you dress. I love that. So yeah. if you're the host, then you should you dress how you feel like yeah. dressing and everyone you know can overdress. It doesn't matter. Or undress it, but don't, they should dress towards the way you yes. dress. So. Like I know, therefore, if I'm going down to see the prime minister, I know he'll always wear a suit. Yep. And I'll dress to him, so yep. I'm. Equivalent. I love that. That's good. yeah. So dress to the host. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's an old school thing. My mum, my mum. No, my my mum was the same, yeah. and and I've been brought up that way, and I think it's really important because you feel a lot more comfortable if you're dressed to suit the environment you're in. Yeah. You know, if yeah. if everyone's in a suit and you come in a t-shirt, you're not going to feel as comfortable. Or well, comfort- you also look disrespectful. Yes, agree. I, th- I, th- yeah. I think that's Respect sort of my mum's point yep. was. You might be seen as being disrespectful. You might not be, but, but you might be seen as being yeah. disrespectful. And that sort of changes the dynamics in the room straight yeah. away. Yeah. And if you're there to negotiate or if you don't have the upper hand, you've got the you know, if you've got the lower hand, they've got the upper hand, you're putting yourself on the back foot straight yeah. away. And, okay. of course, we want to equip ourselves with every possible <laughs> um, bit of artillery these days in business. Um, so don't put yourself on the back foot. You know, the other week, um, my baby boy had to have an operation quite young and um, and I wrote this article last year, pre-baby, and I wrote about the importance of uniform and dressing the part and I wrote something about a dentist coming in a polo or a T-shirt and would you feel comfortable and think he knew what he was doing. And the anaesthetist came to us prior to getting dressed and this is my, you know, 10-week-old baby going, I have to hand him to this anaesthetist. He was great, but he he, he looked like he'd come in his pyjamas. Mm. And I, I froze thinking, are you really the anaesthetist? Like, do you? And then I saw him in the surgery room dressed and I, I instantly breathed this sigh of relief. Yeah, yeah. And it shows the importance of 
dressing the part um, without, you know, you project and, and I automatically just didn't trust that. <laughs> totally. Like if, if, if I was going in to get a uh, some sort of mad operation that was important and the bloke walked in looking like uh, Bradley Cooper to shit me, I mean, like yeah, I'd be saying, you, I'd say, dude, you, you, you know, like you I just look breathing. like you just jumped out of the hangover <laughs> or something, you know, like uh, oh, where's the real guy, you know? Yeah. I mean? um, no, 100%, 100%. And uh, so, the, I mean, uh, what when I read the brief, I thought, oh, bloody uniforms, so yeah. how, how am I going to? talk about that. How am I going to sex it up? But when I thought about it, it is sort of quite an interesting process. And I'm a uniform guy and I don't, and I didn't really realize it. Um, um, I did know a little bit, but I didn't really think about how refined my, my uniformity is and, and how that process would absolutely suit a whole business. And uh, the more people I asked over the last couple of days about, you know, particularly women, about how do you feel about how you have to dress when you go to work at a bank, for example. And, they, it is really quite stressful for them and expensive. Yes, because they're going to go. So because you know they're going to go buy the stuff retail. Yep, and you're, it's retail clothing. A, yeah, correct. you're selling a different price. Uh, absolutely different price, and retail clothing isn't made to be worn, washed, worn, washed, worn, washed. Right. Uniform is a different type of garment, and therefore it lasts. Yeah, it's so built for purpose. Correct. Yeah. So. yeah I, I I love your business. I think it's a great Thank business. You. Um, and I my gut feeling is it's uh, the world's becoming more uniform in everything we do. Yeah. Yes, Everything definitely. we do, and I think uniformity is going to become a sort of a new word, a new, yep. well used and more acceptable word. If you wore a uniform years ago, um, you're either a guard or you worked in a bank, maybe yep. or something like that. You yep. might have been a nurse or something. Um, but I think you're bringing uniformity in a, and you're only young too, in a, in a sort of more, more a modern, sustainable way to businesses. I think it's a great business. I always give everyone an opportunity. To ask me one question, yes. have you got a question for me? I do, I, and you know, going back to to me being fascinated by other people's stories, and um, I, for me, I, I'd love to know one of your biggest challenges. Like, have you in in business? Have you ever hit a point where you wanted to walk away? Um, and yeah, I, that's a very interesting because you... that's quite current for me okay. because I'm in the. I mean, I have a number of businesses, but one of the businesses I've always been very passionate about is lending money to people or being yep. in financial services, and we've just suffered a royal commission. Um, and mm. the royal commission was into misbehaviour of banks. Yep. We're not a bank. We're a non-bank. And um, therefore, by definition, we're not, we should not have been included in it. But one of the outcomes of the Royal Commission has been that um, um, people who, who intermediate between banks and consumers like us, um, they've just about – basically, the Royal Commission has destroyed that industry uh, in, in one fell swoop without understanding it. Yep. And, uh, and on top of that, um, the – Credit rules have been getting changed by the government, not the government, by the regulator over the last five years about how much money we can and can't lend to borrowers. And so it's slowed down consumption of loans in our business. Mm. And now the you know the, the, the Royal Commission has sort of basically recommended that, that he kills the industry. And I thought to myself the other day, my God, I, I've never thought, could never thought of a more perfect storm against being in financial services. And uh, and all it's – but uh, I don't have that sort of – you know, the next question should be, what do you do about yeah. it? I'm a, I'm a, I don't have that sense of um, – and I did – a few times I got quite exasperated yeah. um, and, and I got quite surprised and shocked by the Royal Commissioner's findings um, and, and also by the politics of it all. Um, and, uh, and, you know, like – and we've got an election coming up. Yeah. And uh, one of the parties in the election, one of the – you know, one of the big parties in the election is actually – hasn't come out yet and said definitively what they think they're going to do about mm. this stuff, yeah. uh, whereas one of the other parties has. The coalition has said come, have come out and they said that we want to sort of keep the mortgage 
intermediators, us, in the game because it makes a whole lot of sense. Mm. Otherwise, you're handing power back to the banks. Mm. So I have become extraordinarily frustrated and um, I keep thinking to myself, is this a business you really want to be in? But I look at all the people who work for me and there's a lot. I've got a couple of thousand people around Australia. Um, I look at my history in this industry, which has been 20-odd years. Uh, I look at what we do for people. Like in the last five years, my industry, not just me, but my industry has organised 2 million people in Australia a home loan. 2 million wow. out of the 4 million home home loan yep. owners. <laughs> and there's 4 million uh, people in Australia have home loans. 2 million have come out of my industry. And my business, we're doing about 5 6% of that. So we made a lot of people help, help them get, make the decisions. So... I often talk about this when I have, when I talk to people, I talk about when you can't work out how to fix something, yep. look at why you're doing it in the first place. And I br- brings you back to Love why that. I'm doing it. I'm, yep. I'm doing it because I like actually helping people get a home loan when it's a really bloody difficult process. Yep. And I've got all these good people around me who sort of rely on me. And now to some extent, a large percentage of the industry is turning to me to say, Mark, how are we going to fix this? So that meant me to get on my bike and I've been now talking to politicians and, you know, doing the lobbying and making a lot of noise on television and radio and various other places <laughs> and in, in my own magazine, in my own um, uh, LinkedIn articles, et cetera. And uh, so I've all of a sudden I've become sort of political about all this. Um, and frankly, it's not where I want to be because, mm. you know, you're always going to piss somebody off and uh, I particularly don't want to piss off um any one of the major parties, because no. if they get in the government, they might try and punish me. Yep. Um, so <laughs> it's, uh, it's a bit of worry, but uh, but at the same time, and I think to myself, it's going to say, well, you're only saying that Boris because it's self-serving, you're trying to protect your own business. Well, bloody oath, I'm trying yep. to protect my own fucking business. What do you expect? I've been in business forever and I'm looking after all these people who rely on me. And not only that, I've got all these customers who, if I hadn't been in there and the rest of us in the industry hadn't been there, they wouldn't have ever got a loan yep. and they'd be getting screwed over now mm. today. So... Uh, I took the I took that sort of uh, cor- let's call it courageous step. But I took that brutal step of uh, throwing myself in the ring against big odds. Mm. So and it's been a tough period. This is the toughest period of my life. I will tell you in the last well. uh, you know since the Royal Commission was sort of started in the beginning of last year, and then the Royal Commission's decision came out in February. Um, I'd say the last two months the the toughest environment that I've ever seen for either a borrower. Or for a person like us, an intermediary, exists right now in this country. We've gone back to where it was in 1995 when I first started Wizard. Mm. We've actually gone back to 1995. I can't believe it's a regression. Yeah. Um, but, you know, politics as it is uh, demanded a Royal Commission. We got a Royal Commission. You've got to be careful what you wish for. Um, at the end of the day, <laughs> the Royal Commission has not done anything to the banks. No. The banks' share price jumped yep. overnight. My share price, mortgage choice share price, AFG's share price, all our sales intermediaries, our share price went down by thirty percent overnight. Yet we're not banks. Mm. I don't. I don't and uh, but you know, me being the way I am, I uh, just took stock and I thought, fuck it, I'm into it. You want to? <laughs> you want to try and? Do you want to try and knock me off or yep. just see how it feels? Yep. Um, and uh, what else? What else can I do? No. So that's an honest answer. Yeah, um, no, it's been tough, and uh, um, but I, you know, I'm pretty confident we're going to come out better than better than we were. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, my gut feeling. My my take from that, and that's what keeps me going. Is you think in business it gets easier, but you know your challenge might have been this size when you were that size. But as you grow, so do your challenges. And you know, hearing you say, and the downside's the, the, bigger. The, yeah, 
Agree. It is bigger. The downside is much bigger. Yes, so is. I can tell you now, um, in the last three weeks, I've lost in value around, in my personal terms, probably $30, $40 million. Wow. And no one's sort of saying to me, oh, sorry, Mark, we've never yeah. done the wrong thing. No one's ever said to us, Yellow Brick Road is raw at anybody. We, we, no. you know, we, we, we never got caught up before the Royal Commission. We, we told them, you know, sure, we have people who are a bit roguish and make mistakes and we get rid of them. Yeah. But no, no one's perfect. And by the way, you can do a Royal Commission in any industry you want yep. and uh, healthcare, <laughs> government, whatever. Yeah. There's always some rogue in there. Yep. But it, it's not a systemic issue. No. And, uh, and there's been no findings against us in a systemic sense. Mm. Yet, I'm the one who's wearing it. Um, you know, the Mortgage Choice guys have probably lost more. Um, mm. The AFG's guys have probably lost more again. Mm. Uh, and uh, and where we employ between us about 18,000 people. Wow. Um, and uh, we're responsible for, as I said, 2 million Australians who borrowed money in the last five years. Mm. And we made sure they got a better rate than the banks offered to them. So if the banks offer you a rate of 5%, we're gonna, we usually get a 45 and you don't have to pay us. The mm. bank pays us. That's not a bad deal. <laughs> you're, getting the, you're getting the interest rate cheaper. You don't have to pay us. You know what the Royal Commission said? From now on, you have to pay the broker. Well, these people haven't got the money. They're not going to pay us. And if they don't pay us, we're not going to get them a loan and they'll be paying the higher rate. Mm. Boom. I mean, how fucking smart do you have to be? Mm. I, mean, it's, I, mean, I mean, I'm sure the Royal Commission is the smartest guy in the world and he's a great judge and all sort of stuff. But, man, like, that's the simple thing. Two million people got a loan cheaper than the bank has been advertising for it for, uh, to them, compared to the other two million people, by the way, who didn't use us. They're paying the higher rate. And the two million people got their loans through the broker at a lower rate, didn't have to pay us a dollar. Hello. That's, if that's not the simplest outcome that has been completely missed, I don't understand it. Anyway. That's and that's been my challenge, and that's my story. Trying to keep it nice and simple, yep. a good simple message. Yep. And I'm going to keep repeating. And thanks for the opportunity no, to let me do you. it again. It's <laughs> <laughs> been sure. really nice to talk yes, to you, Pamela. Nice to talk been to fantastic. you. Been fantastic. You're a great business. I like it. Thank you. It's that's good. good. It's you simple. Just don't like the name. <laughs> no, I don't mind the name. But but you don't. No, what I, no no. Sorry. My point was, oh, you don't need a great name because you have got the great name yes. sitting underneath yes, it. Yes, agree. It is all about our customers, not about our brand. Totally. Absolutely. It's about your customers yes. and their name. Yes. And sort of that was my point. Just you know, had to add that. <laughs> Thanks very much Thank for coming you. in. My pleasure. Thanks.